Hey, Gabe. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, well, we're going to do another another round of day drinking today, which is always fun. Yeah, my, my office smells pretty boozy right now, and, yeah. and that's not what it normally smells like. Yeah, well, that's probably a good thing for a lot of reasons. Uh, what, uh, what do you have sitting in front of you today? It's a big day. I have uh, the um, blood of the gods in front of me here. <laughs> um, I have uh, a, a really lovely glass of Founders Breakfast Stout. And next to it, for comparison and gluttony, I have uh, a very lovely glass of Dragon's Milk by New Holland Brewing. Yeah, it actually says the High Gravity Series. So that's... (laughs) You think? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So um, these are both stouts. Um, The Dragon's Milk is aged in bourbon barrels, according to the label. And uh, the Breakfast Stout... I've never never quite knew how to take that. The, th- the the two words together were always a little bit. I don't understand the problem. I mean, well, if you have bre- breakfast whiskey, breakfast tequila, do they have those breakfast things? IPA? <laughs> In my house, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it's a double chocolate coffee oatmeal stout. So it yeah. does sound like breakfast, and the the, the caffeine the is actually the significant. Yeah, I think it's the oatmeal and the coffees. You yeah. know, it's clever. I, I I love this this thing just for its label. Yeah, it's a, it's like an old style kid with a with a huge napkin. Yeah, uh, those what do you call that? Cereal ads from yep. like the I don't know 30s through 50s. You know, yeah, with uh, just a kid chowing down on on a bowl of something. Um, funny thing there is is uh, I go up to New Hampshire to buy some beer at um, at a couple different stores and talking to somebody there he's like yeah they couldn't actually get this delivered in new hampshire because new hampshire has a law against alcohol with pictures of children on them on it goodness gracious (laughs) and and for a second i was like oh that makes sense but in in a way that's still kind of weird i guess the the concern is like children will think breakfast stout is is a is a breakfast beverage that they can partake of yeah i guess um, it's probably better for you than like count chocula knowing what's in that <laughs> probably <laughs> although this this has a huge amount of sugar in it too it does good point um this is one of my favorite stouts it is so rich and the coffee i didn't know well i guess i just never really felt any effects of having coffee in beer before i just thought it was there for like a roasty flavor but this beer actually it it has caffeine in it. Yeah. It, it mm-hmm. keeps me awake. I had well, it one time in the evening and I thought, well, it, you know, it just has coffee on it just because it, you know. Yeah, flavor. It's a flavor thing, but mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep that night. Well, so. you can buy coffee extracts at brew stores to make your own coffee stouts and coffee flavored uh, beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't really typically have caffeine in it, but – if if you're a home brewer and you really want to get like that real rich, um, grainy taste of coffee, you use coffee beans, and yep. in that case, it's going to have as much caffeine as you're you're extracting from those coffee beans. Yep, which is excellent. So it's a weird combination because it's putting you to sleep and waking you up at the same time. Yeah, well, you're hyperactive, stupid. That's that's <laughs> it's that's why I've always thought of like you saying I am with in caffeine. Or, no, or, no, I mean like it's the two. It's the worst possible combination lots of energy and really poor judgment (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like well, you know, four loco. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, energy. I'd, and I'd rather. Ha- I'd rather have this. Yeah, me too. All right, and then uh-huh. the the dragon's milk. Um, man, dragon's milk is awesome stuff. Uh, it, it is. Um, if I you just, like bourbon, yeah, I think, which well, I do. Um, okay. It it actually. Um, I had this the night we did the uh, the show of the Tap Cellar app release. Mm. Um, it, I got it for my birthday uh, in a six pack of you know beers I'd never had before, and uh, loved it. And so when you suggested it for today, I was like, hell yeah! Yeah. So eleven um, percent alcohol. Um, it has a. I'm going to taste it again in a second, but it's um. It has this great vanilla flavor yeah. to it, and the the warmth. It's it's really cold here today, so the warmth of that that eleven percent is going to be good too. Yeah, I'm going to try it. Yeah, why don't we dig in? You started with the dragon's milk or the yep. breakfast dragon's milk. milk. Oh, that's great, man! Great, it is. Um, man, that's boozy. Way wow. less stout than. Yeah, the color, like I don't get the stout flavor until long after I've I've finished the drink, mm-hmm. and then you start to get that like burnt roasty that roasty, flavor yeah, to that it, kind of richness. But for the entire process of like swallowing it <laughs> and clearing it, clearing your palate, it's it's vanilla and some real subtle like uh, I don't know tapioca like yeah. Bourbon. Yeah, I really mean, it's, it's got these bourbon flavors to it that, that come out in it. Um, I would love this beer with like a like a really rare steak. Oh wow! Hmm. You know that'd be really good. I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. <laughs> well, that <that's>, that explains <laughs> it. Yeah, it does. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's awesome. it is super boozy. Like after you drink it, you can feel like the alcohol come out of your nose. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, which is which is. Um, Great you know, in the winter. Usually, exactly. In the wintertime, winter. I tend to shift from like the IPA saison category just naturally. I just prefer like really rich, lots of sugar, um, dark beers. Well, what's interesting Triples, is last year – Stuff like um, that. Last year, I was into IPAs all the way through the year. I didn't really get into stouts at all, and this year – I've really turned around on that. Maybe it's, I had a lot of stouts a few years before that, and I kind of was off it. But uh, this year, I would actually say some of the favorite beers that I've had over the last month have been stouts. Um, we had a um, a beer field, field trip, um, and I went to Tourist in Brooklyn, which is uh, the restaurant and bar of the guy who runs Evil Twin Brewing. And he had three or four of his stouts on, uh, on tap that night, and there, he has a stout called Imperial Donut Break, yeah, which is definitely my favorite stout right now. Uh, and he had a few others on on tap that night, which was great because you could compare them. But it really got me into this whole stout thing. So this was a perfect show because um, I want to taste as many stouts as possible. <laughs> yeah, I I um I love how. Kind of the brewing industry goes in these like little cycles, little little bumps of this is a style everybody's going to experiment with for a little while and do really interesting things, and we've we've kind of I think we're coming out of this stout trend right now. Like IPAs, you think so? 
Well, it seems like we're getting back into it because, like, when I look on the trading boards, the big ones are Bourbon County. Yeah. Uh, they shoot Abyss. Um, I mean, as far as the experimentation goes, oh, okay. like, I think that we're getting out of, like, everybody's realized bourbon and stout goes great together. <laughs> so do that. <laughs> do that a lot. Um, and that, that was a huge trend and all kinds of like, you know, just jam licorice in, in stouts, yeah, cherry, different, cherry bark, all yeah, sorts of crazy different stuff. types of wood aging. <laughs> um, and it feels like we're starting to come out of that and they're picking up with different kinds of styles it's just it's fun like i I like i like to see that experimentation where for a little while everybody was into like oh let's make session beers that actually taste good low alcohol beers that are enjoyable and that was fun um but boy winter time comes i want triples i want really high alcohol stouts like same here just sit in front of a fire and and drink those and absolutely uh, it's great (laughs) so i was actually looking through my tap seller grades and I'm seeing some interesting trends here. So um, top, like in the top rankings here, uh, Imperial Donut Break, um, let me see, The Abyss by Deschute, Bourbon County Brand Stout by Goose Island, Dragon's Milk is next, Ten Fitty is another one by Oscar mm, Blues. Yeah. Um, I just had one the other night by Heavy Seas called Siren, Siren Noir, which is a chocolate cocoa kind of thing. Uh, Guilt, Guilty Filthy Soul by Duclaw is their latest one that's a, it's kind of a robust porter. Really mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, those are just ones I've had in, in the last month. They are just really, really kicking out good ones. It, it's the, um, the boundary between porter and stout is also getting a little blurred for yeah. me. Like it's, well, that, I've it's never not understood clear to it. me. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, always thought stout <laughs> was sweet and darker and porter was you should still taste the grains but kind of smoky a little bit um the porters that i've had that i would define as like okay that's a porter and maybe it's just defined by we talked about this before like your past experience your your the first time you had it probably defines your experience of it it was it was the yingling porter that they used to make you know half and halves with the yingling lager and that porter was kind of a uh, – it wasn't very – like everybody who I knew was like, oh, that beer is too thick. But, it, you know, when you compare it to something like we're drinking today, it was nothing like that. Yeah. And um, so that was my first experience with porter. And then stouts I always imagined to, to be that kind of really mega rich, you know, like with, a, with an oatmeal base, like a creamy base. Um, to it or mouthfeel to it, which I hate that word, but but that is kind of a good accurate description of it. It also means that probably by the end of the hour, if we drink them both, we may not be speaking words that are, you know, that <laughs> yeah. can be understood. <laughs> these, are, these are these are potent. In fact, yeah. I, I've only had like two sips of this thing yeah, since we opened it. It's not a not a chugging beer. It's not a chugger um, now. But New Holland. Great brewery. I would pretty much try anything that either one of these breweries make. Founders in New Holland, like they're pretty trustworthy as far as like they know what a quality beer is and um, do interesting things. With yeah, beer. Um, they're responsible for the one that everybody's talking about that was released last week. The uh, the Backwoods Bastard, right? Mm, that's Founders. Yeah, I've never had that. I'm gonna go see if I can find some. Good luck, man. Really? I'm, I'm so envious of my friend. He was able to get like six, four packs, and I'm just so, well, so envious. Well, saying uh, on the 
forum that I read a lot is that they aren't a lot of places don't even have limits like their their distributions more than it was last year when it was apparently really hard I'm, to find. I'm going out later today to look for some. Yeah, keep me posted. It's great. Age it too. Keep some. Keep it. Keep it around and age it. Well, what is it? Is it a stout? It is a bourbon barrel aged. Uh, it might be a scotch. We uh, can go in tap cellar and look. I don't have my phone in front of me because I don't want it ringing. Oh, I'm looking then. Um, it's a scotch. Yeah, scotch ale. We heavy. Interesting. Ten percent. Another another interesting category which I've seen seen experimented with a lot more is Scotch ales. There's a um, there's a brewery that has been around for a while. They're in Maniunk, which is kind of a suburb of Philly, um, called Yards. And Yards has started. Their one of their first beers that I was into was a called Brawler, and I think that was a Scotch ale. Um, and uh, they're making some neat stuff, but yeah, it's the same deal. It's like, you know, they're picking these kind of fringe or not too common things like wee heavies or scotch ales and, and making them and kind of, because Philly is a pretty beer savvy town, they're, they have some good distribution and, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of press for it. So it's just great. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Um, scotch ale. On the, on the topic of Porter, I think we'll cover Porter's on an another show like sure. we're trying to you know well, let's pull the curtain back of course <laughs> we we don't want to talk about belgians and saisons on every episode because that's super boring for us too um mm-hmm. so we wanted to hit stouts uh, a little bit but porter you ever get these um they're little little books each one is about a different beer style and it's kind of like the history of the style um you know, i have they're pretty cheap you can buy like a a whole collection of them. We get individual ones. I have one for Belgians and farmhouse sales. Yeah. So, um, I have a bunch of them, but the one on Porter's was pretty interesting. The whole idea, like it was like the drinking man's beer, originally really low alcohol meant to be like nutritious. And, um, (laughs) like seriously, (laughs) that's what they drank all day while they worked because they had sugar in it and grain. And it was like liquid bread was the idea. Um, but it was also relatively cheap to produce, so it was meant to be sold cheaply, to, you know, so you can, you didn't go broke drinking all day. Well, it's interesting because you had mentioned um, another kind of misconception, common, mis- common misconception is that, that Guinness, which is what everybody sees, thinks of as, as like the, the stout you get in a bar, mm-hmm. um, is a real high alcohol, super boozy thing, and it's not. No. Uh, it's, it's actually like the opposite the, of that. Usually, it used to be, up until recent times, uh, the darker the beer, the lower the alcohol, because that whole like toasting of the the grains destroyed sugar, right? Fermentable exactly. sugar. So, yeah, so Guinness is actually pretty relatively low in alcohol, but now everybody's doing these <laughs> super these stouts massive, where they yeah. they add tons more sugar and other forms and um, way more grain than necessary, and then they, you know, like this. If you closed your eyes and drank this uh, dragon's milk, it doesn't. It's to me doesn't scream, you know, stout roasted beer. It has a really complex flavor profile, lots of raisin and prune and all kinds of stuff in it. You can taste that roast, but it's definitely not like the you know front flavors for me. 
Yeah, it's good. Um, I think we need to compare it to the breakfast stout. Yeah. Try that. Let's move along. Let's move over and try this glass. Man, that smells amazing. It smells like coffee. It does. <laughs> that is the first thing you smell, like chocolate and coffee. So this, to me, tastes a lot more like iced black coffee. Like it, it yeah. has a really strong coffee flavor and a little astringent. Yeah. Like a little bit of tartness to it in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after that Dragon's Milk. <laughs> Probably drank yeah. them in the wrong order. Well, uh, it's interesting to go over to that because it, it tastes richer to me. And if you look at the color of the, the uh, carbonation, it's brown as opposed to the Dragon's Milk, which is kind of like a grayish color. So I don't, I don't know what that means, but it does mean that it's, I don't know. It's a, th- it's a thinner beer too. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, you think so? Sit, have to it, taste for it me, again. it doesn't, it's because it's not as sweet. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as like, um, syrupy as the dragon's milk does. Yeah. Maybe the taste seemed to linger a little bit longer though in that kind of cream ale style. So it's a lot know? more of that toasted grain in it. Mm-hmm. Really dark, um, like rich. Yeah, stout a little flavor. bit of that, that graininess from the that, stout flavor, you know. Coffee definitely come comes out in it. Boy, it's going to keep me awake today. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I have to do yard work after this. So again, um, <laughs> you go running out, stupid and... but really fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yard work. Um, you had mentioned last show all the leaves. Um, They're still they, here. They finally dropped off of all the trees everywhere <laughs> over the last week. So mm. that's what I'm going to be doing today, too. Good luck, man. Yeah, thanks. It's so going to be fun. I'm sure these beers will not help. Well, it is a nice day, so I don't want to be stuck here in my office all day. But I do that to spend a lot of time here during the week. And mm-hmm. we kind of want to talk a little bit about office stuff in general, yeah. how we organize our office, the things we use in our office, Um uh, you know, we could extend that however we want to go. I mean, I converted everything over to kind of a, a paperless office at one point, so we can hmm. go down that road and and uh, if we if we have time. But yeah, why don't you uh, kick off how you approach the whole idea of office? Oh, okay, uh, office, office in general. So um, I'm pretty particular about my desk and my setup. I don't think. I think most people are. I'm not the kind of person that can work easily in a coffee shop um, because I, I like to have my stuff where I want it. <laughs> like What kind of stuff? Uh, so at home I have a, a Retina MacBook Pro and a 27-inch um, display above it, <clears throat> the Thunderbolt display. Above it, setup. like literally above it, like vertical alignment. So dragging windows, I drag up and down instead of left to right. Cause I like that to like <clears> the <throat> 27 inch is the uh, supplementary display. Almost. Oh, so you, you have both open. I, I always both keep open. My, okay. I'll tell you about yeah. mine in a second. So it's slightly I, different. I work when I write, I write primarily on the retina display because I mean, it's retina. It's awesome. Um, and I do a lot of full screen apps on it that way. So kind of like reduce what's there up until Yosemite, I would have like full screen on the retina, but then the 27 inch would be where I'd throw reference windows and things like that. Browser windows and just whatever needed to be open as additional like information. But Yosemite has like a bunch of terrible bugs with handling that like menu flashing and just really, it doesn't work well. So I had to turn that off. And now when I go 
uh, full screen on the retina. Basically, I don't get a separate um, separate space in for the uh, 27 inch anymore. Interesting. It's a bummer. Well, it's interesting because it's sort of similar to your setup. Um, I had this, I guess, about three or four years ago um, when I started writing heavily for technology notes and just writing in general, um, which I have barely had time to do anymore. Um, I wanted to kind of revolutionize how my desk was set up um, because it was just a mess. It was just a laptop usually. Um, I didn't have any sort of alt, you know additional displays. It, the screen real estate wasn't there. But at the same time, I didn't want to have to worry about having a Mac uh, and synchronize things and whatever. So I envisioned having the MacBook Air, which I carry around all day at work, um, and then coming home and just plugging in Thunderbolt and everything just leapt up onto a big 27-inch display. So I ended up doing that. I got a thing called, uh, it's by AirSouth. It's like a, I think it's called a book arc, which is a thing that your laptop yeah, you just sits in. Yeah, prop it in, yeah. Exactly, like it holds it vertically. Um, so that saves desk real estate. And so basically when I come home from work and I want to work up here in the office, I just stick the laptop in that book arc, uh, plug in the Thunderbolt and everything is basically the way I left it when I left work and, you know, except bigger and easier yeah. to read and I can spread things out a little bit. And it's been working out really well. Um, there's been a few glitches here and there where things don't, you know, open up. Or like this, the screen remains dark, or something weird like that, and I have to reboot. But by and large, that, it's been that's really one of good. the reasons I don't like the like closed MacBook approach because I found that it never works perfectly every time. Like when you close it and plug it in, then you end up with like sometimes the screen is dark, sometimes it doesn't know that you've connected an external monitor. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, it can be a real and, problem. Sometimes. And so that was the first reason that I went with like this direct. Like I want to work right on the Retina MacBook Pro. Well, see, I don't have a Retina, so, so you know it's slightly different. It doesn't matter as much, but I, I really I like the keyboard well enough. Like it's comfortable to type on, um, but having that like two different contexts where one is my primary focus and the other is like all extra stuff, I really like. I've kind of adapted to that now. Plus, I do the same thing you do, where I disconnect a lot where I, I'll go sit on the couch for a little while and work or, you know, go sit up at the kitchen table or whatever. Um, that's why I'm not a fan of just going iMac. I used to have an iMac. Um, yeah, I used to as well. And it was useful because it had a lot of horsepower and, it, 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 you know, but you really, I really felt tethered by it. And in some, some ways that's fine, you know, but uh, for nah. me, I've been saying it for a while, the MacBook Thir MacBook Air 13-inch is pretty much my ideal computer. I love the, the idea, like, I can just pick it up and move it for even just five or ten minutes to work on something else. Like, that's that's well, great. I like um, that a lot. The Air is so light, and then the newest version, it's not the newest, mine's about a year and a half old. The battery life is, like, in incredible. So Even on the MacBook Pros now, the battery life is kind of, kind of nuts. Is it really? Yeah, they're all getting, and each, each iteration of the OS seems to extend the battery even further. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're getting aggressive awesome. about pa power consumption, but it's smart. Yeah. Um so I I do something slightly different in that um maybe it's a, it's a way to reduce distraction or compartmentalize things mentally, but I do have um let me see how many of them I have. 
Um, I have three desktops that I work on, virtual desktops, on my monitor. You mean spaces? Um, spaces, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so one of them is almost always just work documents or Outlook or whatever. And then I have like my distraction desktop, which I kind of keep off to the side and, and don't don't clutter up anything I'm trying to do serious work on. And then I'll have, you know, a browser or something on the third. Um, depending on where I am, I'll have chat apps like iMessage or Trillion or something on the work screen. If I'm using that for talking to people with work or if, if I'm not at work, it'll be on the distraction screen <laughs> because yeah. I'm sitting around at home talking to people uh, about stuff like that. Slack. Do you do full to, screen on, on apps? Almost never. Oh, see, that was like a game changer once I agreed to like force myself to do it. Why? Of the idea that <clears throat> same idea, like different spaces. Like I switch over, and now this is just a place where I where I'm going to write, and it kind of like forces you to just keep putting words down. So, like, why people like the uh, the iPad? You know, yeah, it's like you in, can't a, really in a way like else, that, yeah. and it it's just this like like idea of like a. Um, context switching between like the task that that it needs to be versus just kind of like having everything there at the same time plus if you do work without a huge 27 inch monitor attached like it's good to get to that like feeling of not having to have a bunch of windows open on the same screen yeah that that is really um it depends on if it's like a really busy day like a crazy day that does drive me to distraction and i need them all open like i need skype open because i have people pinging me with questions we we use skype at work a lot um so i have that open i have outlook open because i'm usually fielding some sort of emergencies and need to know what's going on there i'll have trillion open because we have a few developers who use trillion uh well which is google chat basically is what they're using there um and uh you know any sort of documents i use folding text uh to do all my note taking throughout the week so i usually have that window open then i can hop back and forth uh notes wise so so i have to have a few windows open it's really like if i go into a meeting or something and i'm just taking notes it it is helpful to have a full text a full screen folding text to reduce distraction i think that the trick for me was also to get really comfortable and proficient with like mission control yep yeah, um, that time. made a huge difference, especially like switching between apps, windows and the, um, desktops, the various desktops or spaces or whatever we're calling them this, this iteration. Exactly. Um, and the idea of like <clears throat> quickly getting this huge overview, overview to jump between things and using hotkeys to, to shift between, between different applications, like, you know, if I do four finger swipe on the trackpad, that's the other reason I, I like to have my Mac open is I use the trackpad and the mouse at the same time. What? Yeah, yeah. I use the gestures on the trackpad and I use the mouse for mouse stuff. I haven't had a mouse. I couldn't even tell you the last time I had a mouse attached to anything I use. I, I can't stand them. Actually, it's because years ago, just when I was doing development, I really killed my wrists with with a mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up, um, I would always use the mouse with my right hand, like a normal person. Um, but because <laughs> they right handed person, however you want to phrase yeah, it, however you want to phrase it. Um, but that's just commonly where it is because the, the, the buttons are situated that way. Then I started using it in my left hand, 
leaving the buttons the way they were before. So it'd be kind of cockeyed in my hand and I'd be using the left mouse button the same way as everybody else is doing. Um, and uh, it just then eventually both of my wrists were destroyed. So I, I went to using a trackpad. And I think that's also dependent upon the mouse too. So I'm really partial to um, the Logitech performance, MX performance or whatever it's called, MX Revolution. I don't know. They changed the name. But the thing that I love about that mouse is it's kind of like ergonomically shaped and happens to fit my gorilla hands <laughs> you do like have really really hands. well so i can like it's super super comfortable i've tried all those like the evoluent vertical mouse done you know i've gone through dozens of mice trying to figure out which was the like best option yeah um, i did that for a while i just eventually came down to no mice was the best option for i me, love so. the extra buttons i love the scroll yeah. wheel the scroll wheel is the one that really kills it for me like no. the logitech has that free free spinning scroll wheel where you can, can toggle it between clicking and then just free spinning and it's like a heavy scroll wheel so if you give it a like a really good spin it'll like go through a long document right pretty hmm. quick I have to check it out. My my son uses uh, a mouse for his computer that he just put together. So, um, his obviously, gaming, gaming computer, right? His, yeah. his gaming computer. Yeah. Well, he's ironically, I can't game with a mouse at all. <laughs> like, really, I have to use the keyboard. Yeah, oh, I can't. I'm, I'm like Gorilla handicapped hands. when it comes to that. Um, but I love <laughs> the trackpad for like the four finger swipe going between between spaces and yeah. I guess maybe I have it tricked out like in the in the settings now so that basically. Um, it does everything that I needed to do as far as you know, scroll wheel emulation yep. or whatever. Um, and you can do a lot of stuff with like add-ons to the OS to mm -hmm. keyboard maestro and oh yeah. Um, oh, what's the? I don't. I actually don't have it running anymore because I decided I don't need it. Um, Launch bar? No, it's the the mouse trackpad. Oh man. Oh, no. Show notes. Show notes. Show yeah. notes. Uh, yeah, this stuff is already getting to me. <laughs> Man, um, be good by the end. Um, <laughs> so, hardware-wise, um, I have a DOS keyboard, which is very loud. You can hear. Yeah. And um, I have the the, the, the big otherwise known as your podcasting keyboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, I actually have a, a, a MacBook Pro, and it's usually not plugged in, but I use it for certain things. Um, and that's usually my stay-at-home computer. That's sitting actually underneath the AirSouth thingy. Um, AirSouth thingy. Okay. What do they call it? That, that wedge thing that my laptop's sitting in. Um, yep. And I have recently switched to a standing desk. Oh. So, so you're you're on your way to nerddom. I know. Right well, there. I wanted to try it because you know I do sit a lot during the day uh, when I'm in the office, and so I thought, well, I'm, I can work from home two one one to three days a week, let's say. So if I was sitting all day at the office, then if I worked from home, I was standing. I would really be mixing up things a lot. But standing desks are really expensive, at least in my view, pretty expensive. So. I searched around and there was a website for uh, building a standing desk for like 30 bucks. I'm like, that's about right. That sounds like a good price. And it involved um, getting a shelf from Ikea, single shelf, a small end table from Ikea, 
and um, you kind of mount the shelf onto the end table and put that on top of your desk. And it's basically the exact right height for a standing desk. And um, so I have my 27-inch monitor sitting on top of that. I have the shelf sitting on it and the keyboard, and it kind of hangs off either end of the end table, has just enough room for, apparently, two bottles of beer, two glasses, my trackpad, oh, my keyboard. Was, was that one of the uh, marketing <laughs> no, like, but pages for this? I might, this uh, I might tell them to market desk. that. Yeah, they should yeah. really market that because it's a great idea. Uh, to my left, I have um, the ScanSnap for doing all my paperless stuff and a printer, which I hate printers, but there it is. And that's kind of my whole setup. You know, I just, it's really small. Uh, you know why I think standing desks are so expensive? Because that's the entry point for people that care about their desks. And so they can charge more for yeah, you're what amounts right. to uh, well, pretty, pretty simple things. I mean, if you want one that's on like hydraulics, obviously you're going to pay for like a desk that can go up and down. But I just find it funny that that's become like an expensive trend is standing desks because like, we well, used to call those thirty bucks on. We it. used to call those bars. Okay, <laughs> like, like <laughs> right? it was. Yeah. It was basically just a high table. Um, I don't yeah. have a problem with it. I like high tables. That's actually my dining table is one of those kind that you know, like you know is somewhat high because I like to be able to stand at the table periodically. Um, well, but, well, that's why this is good. But I do understand why people want uh, one that goes up and down because when you're standing literally all day long, it can be. It can be a drag. Like if I could – so what I try and do is during conference calls, I'll sit, um, you know, which kind of breaks up my day because um, I have a really nice desk chair, um, one of those um, ergo ergonomic ones. And mm-hmm. uh, it's fantastic. But, you know, throughout the day, I only use it during conference calls, which is fine. Breaks things up. Yeah. I um, I don't know. The whole, the whole trend for standing walking desks – First of all, standing is no better for you than sitting, in my opinion. I, I think a lot of um, this stuff is similar to, like, high fiber is good for you and not eating eggs is is better for you. And maybe it's always some pseudoscience, like, one study done with poor control led to a result that causes people to spend money on this thing. So, Well, maybe, but I think I think that doing one thing always is probably not good for you. Yeah, so, switch it like, up. So, yeah, I, so it's just to me, it's good because you switch it. I prefer it. to yeah. go for um, go for a walk. That's that's how I <laughs> – I know that that's not possible for everybody, but uh, I, I think for me, if I had to choose between I'll work all day in one place, but I'll use a standing or a walking desk um, versus I'll sit at a desk but go for a walk every hour and a half something like oh, that's that, a good like idea. a quick walk. So that's what I do when I'm at work. Ironically, I do that less when I work from home. So I work from home occasionally too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, working from home, I just tend to get more in the groove of like, it's quiet. It's my environment. No one's around. I'm working and I feel, <laughs> I don't know, a hundred times more productive. So I just kind of keep working through that versus at work, it gets noisy. Somebody's talking about their vacation or their, you know, weekend or whatever, and I can't concentrate. So that's the point where I'll, I'll go for a walk to concentrate. I'll go for a walk to think about a problem, you know. That's, that's interesting. I, I do get a lot of walk-ins uh, when I'm at work. So going for a walk would probably help with that because I always have people just 
popping their head in or, uh, you know, needing my input on a, a design issue or a problem or something like that. So it is, it would be helpful if I need to do some concentrated thinking to go, uh, for a walk. And it is, you know, there's a kind of a nice distance walk around this building. We're part of, in part of, uh, a really large kind of office park and the building has three or four businesses. So it's pretty big, uh, square footage. So it, if you do one lap around that, it can take maybe 15 minutes and it's, it's not a, not a terrible walk, although it's getting a little bit too cold. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's going to be my problem during the winter is, uh, the opportunity for long walks is comes with a price. Yep. The, the price is freezing. <laughs> so, yep. uh, well, th- it's coming. Usually my walking, uh, tapers down in the winter a little bit, but I still do force myself to go out and go for a walk as as far as chairs go um i get whatever chair they give me at work which usually is mediocre not super comfortable so i end up sitting kind of like at the edge of the chair vertically because it's probably better for my spine but um at home i sit in something that looks really ridiculous it's uh what is it it's called the vert chair okay um it looks like uh hr uh jigger <laughs> like Geek, Geek, Geiger, 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 yeah, there we go. Whatever. Uh, you know, usually I'm only pronouncing it in my head. Um, I'll, I'll put this to you in our in our chat channel, and you can laugh hysterically. But it's I have a uh, really really bad feeling. It's got about like this. individual like um, adjustable spine panels that move in and out, and so it looks like vertebra hell? running down <laughs> running down the chair. Um, so that it does look like a, something from the set of Alien. Yeah. Um, from, I don't know, when did I get it from? RFM seating. It's called the Vert, V-E-R-T-E. It was a pretty expensive chair. Um, I don't know what it runs now. I think it was at least $900 at the time I bought it. Maybe, maybe more. Um, but I bought it, it's going on 10 years now. Think Wait, so, does, so? Does it conf- do you adjust it or does it conform to the shape? No, you adjust back? it and lock those in place. Oh, those that's kind of individual cool. spines. We'll put it in the show notes. Our our uh, copious show notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the, the next couple actually are going to have more than the the, the first few. And have. so you kind of you get yourself into the position you want to sit in with like the curve to your back, and these things are spring loaded and they kind of follow your your spine. And then you lock them in place. There's one lever locks them all in. So now you have like this curvature to the back of the chair that kind of fits the curvature that you want to have while you sit. Super comfortable. I, I like everything about it. Nice headrest. And it leans all the way back and locks in place if you want to like kick your feet up. Oh, really? Yeah. Love this chair. I, that is really cool looking. It, and I I tried, you know how I am. I tried a bunch of different chairs, right? So I, compared, <laughs> I, I do I compared a are. bunch of chairs and returned a bunch of chairs. And uh, I liked them better than the Herman Miller chairs. They were way more, this was way more comfortable. Which is what I have. The and Miller. it's on wheels and, you know, it goes up and down, whatever. Does, it re- does more than a chair probably should. but And uh, you can sit in it, which is and, really And you can it, also sit in it. <laughs> Um, Fantastic! What other hardware do you have? Like, what kind of? It, how big is your desk? And and like, I it- at home I sit on a, like a big old desk from the fifties that I reclaimed and refinished. It's um, wood. Uh, it really does look like one of those old fifties 
office desks. It's, I don't know, four feet wide and three feet deep. Um, I think it looks, looks awesome. I really like a huge flat surface for my desk with yeah, that's, very, that's, very little on it. Yeah, I, that's kind of what mine is underneath this little coffee table slash standing desk thing. It's just a – it is an Ikea one. Um, it's black wood and it's just – I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's around three foot by five foot and yeah. it's just completely barren of – anything that that's the way i prefer to work and that's why i mean i'm very particular about my workspace i don't like you can ask my wife i growl if she tries to set something on my desk like you know here you left your keys here or here's the mail and like don't put it on my desk like i, I don't I have the like same anything reaction somebody, on my desk when somebody points to something and touches my monitor that's the <laughs> yeah, same reaction right. I have. <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm pretty particular about my desk at home it has you know i have the harden Harman Kardon sound sticks or whatever it was, the Creature 3, Creature 2, you know, the kind of clear polycarbonate speakers. Those are hidden behind my 27-inch monitor. Um, I usually don't listen to anything out loud. Uh, uh, I, I do just, when I, I work from home. I share an office with my wife when I work from home. So she's usually – our desks are actually butted against each other face-to-face. Mm-hmm. So her monitor – Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Well – Super it's, weird. It's it's useful. Um <laughs> Okay. She's actually, she actually is usually working downstairs near the fire. Do you ever just sit there and stare at her while she works? Just <laughs> no. in fact, really it's it's talking, to, so talking about monitors. the knife community. Hey, <laughs> the knife community is a good collector's community. I don't know how that came up earlier, but yeah, <laughs> it was um, outside this this podcast, so no one no one gets it. The Instagram knife community, but yeah. you know, um, but yeah, actually, the monitors are so large that I actually don't even know she's there sometimes yeah. um, because it's just this wall of screens in front of us. But that's fine; it's useful. Yeah. So my wife does have a desk in the same office but our schedules only partially overlap when we work from home um and usually randomly so when when no one's here i listen to music you know out loud um otherwise i pretty much have headphones on all the time at work my, my work desk is a different situation because i don't get a control very much about that i still prefer it to be clear of stuff in my direct working area i'm i'm the kind of person that like will move my keyboard out of the way to write or draw pretty regularly. So that's one reason like the, the space is necessary. I will like literally fold my laptop down. I have a little stand in front of it that it can slide under. So the monitor actually sits on top of that stand and, uh, I can clear my, my computer out of my way easily to work on whatever. So my desk is like a working environment, not just a computer holder. Interesting. Yeah, I I'm always at work. Uh, everything that I do is on the laptop. So uh, I have like, <laughs> I guess it's kind of a quick getaway type setup. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I have the the MacBook Air is open. I'm working. I have one of those dongles that allows me to plug in the network cable. Uh, we do have Wi-Fi at work, but it's slower. So I'll I'll work that way. And then if there's a meeting to go to, I'll just maximize folding text, uh, unplug everything and then just go to the meeting, yeah. uh, take my notes, come back. And it's, it's just that way all day long. Yeah, I do I have, work a, on I have windows a windows laptop too. Yeah. But, uh, I work, I work on windows. So I don't, I don't have all the same opportunities and I have a, have this lovely Lenovo machine that 
about half of the time, if you disconnect it from the dock without shutting down, uh, you won't be able to get the screen to turn back on yeah, without f- without force rebooting. <laughs> so that's great. Like I really have to really convenient. think about if I want to take that laptop with me. Yeah, I have an HP uh, Windows Seven machine that I use for certain things that you know, like printing and stuff. Is just it's all set up because it's all you know a network script that fires when it when it boots up, but it weighs. I'm going to estimate 700 pounds. Um, That's probably accurate. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, if you plug in the if you forget to plug in the network cable when it's booting up, you have to reboot in order for it to recognize the network. Yeah, like there's nothing you can do. And I'm thinking to myself, like this is. This is the worst. <laughs> like this is like unbelievable because I'm trying to do something quickly and I can't connect. So it's just uh, such a waste. Well, of time. one of the one of the features is just not caring. I think that I that's think. <laughs> like a checkbox when you order a machine. I just yeah. don't care. Yep. Just send well, me whatever fills the box. What's really weird is, uh, and we can get into this the whole corporate politics around this, but the, the IT group that we work with is really anti Mac. Like yeah, they are, that's they, pretty. That's pretty normal. Um, and I can't understand. Like I'm not a I'm not a dumb user. I've used Windows. Like well, that's I said, debatable. Pre, pre, well, I'm just saying about this topic. <laughs> um, I mean, I use Windows. Like I said in a previous podcast, I was a huge Windows fan for years. Hated Macs, and I put up with a lot of stuff. But I would never say that they were easy. You know, uh, and so after using Macs for as long as I have, going back to I helped my son set up a, a Linux machine uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, total pain in the butt. Helped him set up uh, Windows, which I think he is able to get that stuff working on its own. But you know, it's just not. I know it's like everybody says it's how the other half lives, you know, and it will, it's the majority of users in the world are dealing with this stuff, but it's so much more difficult than it needs to be. Like when you don't think about the fact that you plug your network cable in and then you have a network connection for four years. (laughs) The the reality is, is that probably wasn't how the machine was designed. It's probably due to some firmware that was either not updated or inappropriately updated and that firmware right there because there's so many options for network cards right to put into these things they're not standardized even coming from one company like hp they probably have 15 different network cards they can put into one shell and there's probably a mismatch somewhere that causes that to happen oh it's it's got to be something like my dock for my for my lenovo has its own firmware that that before it was updated, quote, updated, the monitors that were plugged into the dock would flicker. And it had <laughs> nothing useful. to do with the computer itself. It was the dock itself now has has a firmware. And that seems like the wrong direction to be going yeah, <laughs> for, for with sure. all this stuff. But the, the part that tickles me the most about the Lenovo is the um, uh, keyboard light, which is literally a pop-out LED on the monitor. That, I've seen that. That, that like illuminates the keyboard it's like a little spotlight that folds out of the of the monitor half of the yeah it just seems like I, maybe that's a businessy thing like oh i'm on a flight now i have my own little personal light and i could put papers on here and read those too 
but as far as like illuminating the keys to type in the dark, it seems like the worst. It's really <laughs> like bad. it's not good. No, I, it's it's just not good. Um, but you know, I, I, mean, I don't want to bash what I mean. Whatever they 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 have their advantages in certain certain ways. The Mac definitely does not fit all use cases. That's for sure. No, um, it definitely doesn't. And uh, I'm lucky to be in a position where I can use it during the day. Uh, if I wasn't directly involved in iOS development and testing of iOS apps, I wouldn't be quote unquote allowed to be using it. Yeah. It's just it just happens to be that um you have a I'm loophole. In, I have a loophole, right. Yeah. So I have to have Xcode on there and and I have to be able to load up the app and look at it. So Yep. Um, I, I don't have that opportunity. I can't bring in a Mac. I can't do anything like that. So I'm I make do with what I have. You know yeah, the yep, the exactly. trick is to make it make it still work for what I need it to to do. Well, so I think the thing that that is great for me about the current setup with the MacBook Air and my monitor at home is it always gets down to what I've always thought was the the best scenario for working from home and working at work, which is that you can just have one device serve two different purposes. And I think we talked about this maybe in our first podcast. You mean like your bespoke device? <laughs> Would it be the dis- bespoke laptop this would be no this is really just kind of the ability for me to carry it wherever i am and depending on where i happen to plug it in it's doing what i expect it to do so maybe that maybe that is a little yeah, bit like a customized con- context aware piece of hardware that exactly. is like the problem is now less and less are my contexts um clearly have clearly defined boundaries you know, which is one reason my phone gets used a lot because it's one of those devices that like I can actually cross the two boundaries pretty easily, like through email, right? My e- both my work and, and home email are on one device. I don't have that luxury on any other machine. Now I can connect to fast mail through, through a web interface and have my home email on, um, on my work PC through a web browser but it's not really the same like if i guess occasionally somebody will send me a personal email through my work email address and then i'm like well now i can i have to forward this to my other email inbox if i want to file it or do something else with it at home um so it's definitely not um and and i'm looking at at my my uh setup the same way i i think that there's a few apps that span things so well slack being the other one so mail and Slack. Slack has done a really good job of being ubiquitous and handling things correctly. So if you're working on a machine running Slack, you're not going to get you know notifications on all the other devices running it saying that you got a yeah. message when you're sitting there typing, which so many other apps seem to get wrong. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Skype. Um, <laughs> so, it, you know... I think that's a great one too. Between Slack and email, you've got this kind of ubiquity across devices that is really uh, helpful. And I think when you're setting up this this home home office work office stuff, uh, the more things there are like that, the more seamless that experience is going to be. Uh, it would be great if we got to a point where there was some kind of standard where either an SD card or ideally your phone somehow can communicate. These are all of your applications. This is how your windows are arranged. These are all your 
you know, this is your password store, this is, you know, all your personal information. So when you move from computer to computer, that automatically pairs up and now that becomes your your setup for that work environment. Is is that where you think they're trying to go with continuity? Well, as long as everything you have is a Mac, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I do. that's I do think that that's the I do idea. think that's the point, right? That's what they're hoping well, is that everybody looks at that ecosystem and said, "Yep, that's that's the way to go." They're viewing you know? it more like I was working on my Mac and now I'm picking up my iPhone. I'm viewing it more like I'm going from my work PC to my to my Mac at home and I still want access to my email that way and I still want you know, to be able to automatically connect to work and do things at work from my home machine, that that kind of stuff would be awesome without having to like jump on VPN, and which is how, how I do things. Yeah, that's how I do things too. I, I you're right, but I, there's nothing like that's probably last on their list of, <laughs> of like get everything else working with their environment. I mean, eventually, you know, it may work out that way. The, the, because question, the question to ask ourselves is: This what we really want? Because then we're we're entering a new phase of like work never ends. <laughs> like your yeah, your machine is now. always your work machine. And I don't and know. And that if is I where like I am, that. right? I mean, that's that is that's unfortunately, unfortunately, that's my situation. Yeah. My my MacBook Air is all of my work files, all of my work email, uh, all of my. For fun stuff too, like all of my writing, uh, all of our Slack and app stuff, it's all in one place, which is great and it's bad. <laughs> I can never really put it down and get away from yeah, it. You know, I, I can see that. Um, I did want to say one more thing about like the the MacBook setup, and uh, it took me. You, you were talking about wrist pain. Initially, I tried to do this where I just had my MacBook sitting in front of me and typed on it. I don't know how anybody does that for a long period of time because the edge of a MacBook is like a torture device. The front yeah, it's, edge. It's of like a, retina a scimitar. Mac, it is super sharp uh, and actually not that thin. The trick for me was elevating the back of the MacBook very slightly. So creating a uh, like a um, incline of the, of the keyboard. And I jury-rigged my own thing and I finally found something that works really well, that's commercial, that has all the features I want and has the right angle. And so if So like a banana, like you prop it on a banana or something. Yeah. <laughs> you would you would think that'd be an easy thing to come by, but there's very few made this way. Most of them elevate the MacBook up. They assume you just want to use the screen and not mm-hmm. the keyboard. Exactly, yeah. They, uh, they so this was keep the things aired out. M curb or something like that. It's basically a little rubber wedge. Like a yeah, a, a banana. A a long rubber in my case, glow-in-the-dark wedge. <laughs> it's called the curb. The curb. And it just lifts up the back edge of the MacBook just enough so that the natural incline, kind of like your arms, you can rest your, your hands on the um, hand rest of the, the MacBook Pro, but your wrists aren't being cut into by that front edge. Hmm. I don't have that problem, but the MacBook Air is The MacBook is Air is so designed thin. differently. Yeah, the yeah. front is thin, so you never come. You never have that issue. The MacBook Pro was a huge. Like I was getting severe wrist pain trying to do it myself with, without that wedge. Yeah, uh, my wife is a. She edits documentary films, or she was doing that for a long time for what she just did um, as a job, and she's transitioned to doing more office type stuff. 
And she had used her editing machine, which is a gigantic, heavy MacBook Pro, uh, for a long time. And it was, you know, it served her well. It went through a lot of wear and tear because she would travel with it and et cetera, et cetera. But I tried to talk her into getting the MacBook Air uh, for the 13-inch. She was worried that the screen would be too small and it wouldn't have mm-hmm. the same capabilities. She swapped over to that and it literally changed her life. Like literally, yeah, literally. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's that's monumental. Is it, uh, just because it was just it out. way now, more. Well, it's convenient. lighter. She can she could work much easier with it on her lap. Like I don't know, the old MacBook Pros were really heat generators. So yeah. if they was on your lap for a while. Even the new really ones warm. generate some heat. Do they? I, I wouldn't yeah. recommend that. Like my wife, I gave I got her a, a an Air because you know. Again, gorilla hands means I also have a gorilla lap. You know, <laughs> mo- most of the gorilla parts match. Um, gorilla lap is not, uh, that not totally a phrase I want to hear again. That totally sounds like something you'd buy as an accessory for your computer. Um, gorilla lap. But it, it, if you're big, it like me, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's like I can carry it around. It's not too heavy. I don't mind it in my bag. Would not recommend it at all for my wife. She doesn't need yeah, that kind of power. Exactly. And uh, the air has served her really well. And now that she's having to go up to New York City more often, um, you know, to, to, she just puts this uh, a wrapped, you know, her air in a sleeve and puts it in her purse and just goes up to New York City and doesn't yeah. have to worry about a big laptop bag and all that crazy stuff. So she's, and she's been not much doing happier. video editing now, right? So right, it kind of exactly. doesn't matter. Right, that's that machine stays here plenty and it stays on enough. her desk. Yeah, for exactly. my wife, it's like the MacBook Air is plenty powerful to run Omni Outliner. Like that's all she does with it is she yeah. write, she she takes notes for you know coursework and does occasionally does email on it, but for the most part, never like stress test the CPU at all. Yeah, it's the same same for my wife. She just it's email, it's documents. She's on the phone. It. Like the things that you're doing day to day in a normal, you know, day to day environment, yep. it is the ideal. I'm thing. definitely getting there, but there's still a lot of stuff I do, like encoding video, um, encoding podcasts, doing all that kind of stuff. Still is pretty CPU intensive. My fans spin up pretty regularly to like top volume. Well, they do. I mean, I've been doing those kind of podcast things, and it definitely taxes the CPU, but I generally am doing it at times when I don't have to sit and wait. Like if I was doing that all day long for a job, I would want some massive horsepower. You know, like if I was compiling an app all day long uh, and it made the difference between it took two minutes or it took five minutes, I mean, it's a no-brainer. But most of the things I do, they're CPU intensive. I can plan around it in such a way that I can do it when I'm doing other things on this conference call or whatever. I'll compress this thing. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So it really is situationally dependent, but it has served me so well. Uh, it, you know, boy, I think I guess it's two years old now. And the one that I had before that um, has been my kid's homework computer for a couple of years, as long as I've had this one. And it's been great because um, before that, they were... <laughs> There's, they just broke everything. So with this, there's no moving parts per se. You know, there's keys that move and the screen opens, but there's no moving hard drives. 
you know, that, that are going to get banged yeah, no and DVD shut down. ROMs. No DVDs. Um, I think you know, when people ask me what they should get for a laptop, I always recommend this. I still get a lot of resistance still about, well, but it doesn't have a DVD. And what if you need to use a DVD? And, you know, I mean, for me, the amount of times I would use a DVD, which is now never, but it, it would be. Well, now you're for sure going to have hard drive problems and need Disk Warrior, which only comes on a disc. Because that's yeah. what happened to me. I was like, really? oh, I need a disc drive for this thing to, to at least make the bootable disc. And it, it's there, there are the very rare situations where I need the DVD drive. And uh, the Apple external one is ridiculously expensive. For for what Is you get, it, well, for what you get. See, here's my attitude though. When I talk to people about this, I think it's seventy or eighty bucks. Yeah, um, you can get one for way less than that. It still does the same stuff. Yeah, but I guess the or you could do that and then try and get the drivers for it, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the the point to me is it it's if you think that you're going to use it um, more than you know five or six times, you should probably just get it. But um, if you can get away with not spending that seventy or eighty bucks, I've never, I have still not run into a situation where I'm like, "Damn, I wish I had a DVD." <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. That, like, when you need it, though, is the least convenient time to go get one. True, but like, do you want to? Somebody's visiting, have- and they're like, "Here's a DVD with all of our family photos. I'm leaving tomorrow, so please, please get them now." And you're like, "Um, yeah, I mean, what do I, I guess do with maybe this? I'm just okay with the situation of saying, well, that's just something I'm not going to have to get, you yeah. know, <laughs> because the, the I would say the times I've used a DVD drive in the last three years, I can count on one hand. And so the thought of having it's to carry... It's a low risk decision. Yeah. The thought of having to carry that around inside a computer for that entire three years is, you know, yep. crazy. I, I agree. I think it's, it's going by the wayside. Man, I just got my wife... Uh, I don't know what it was, 32 gigabyte uh, thumb drive? Are we, are we still calling them thumb drives? This thing was, it. its special design was it's supposed to like fit into a USB slot and be almost flush with the side of the computer. It is so ridiculously tiny yeah, now. Yeah, it's to, crazy. And, and cheap. It was like $10. Oh my God. And I'm thinking like, this one little thing here is like, there should not be DVD drives anymore. Exactly. There should not they be should CDs. It should just should come on a little things. tiny SD card. As or, big as your fingernail. Yeah. You can have a, a, a coin purse of every important piece of software. You know what I'm saying? Like with yeah. 50 of those things, you would have a terabyte of space in your coin purse. You know? <laughs> I actually got <laughs> good a... Good luck um, finding the right one. <laughs> yeah, good point. I actually have a thing called a Nifty Drive, uh, which was a Kickstarter thing, which is... Um, I got it because I wanted to extend or expand the drive space on my MacBook Air. And it, it essentially is the same thing. It sits completely flush with the uh, the SD card slot. So you, you put the SD card in this little mounting tray and push it all the way in, and then it comes with a little hook to pull it back out again. Yeah. But I've never removed it. It just stayed there, and it's another 64 gigs worth of space on my 256 gig MacBook Air. Well, what do you just, do with it? It's, it's, it's all slower, archive stuff. It's slower than the... Yeah, it's all backup. So I, Honestly, I use it the as a Dropbox has changed. Like not just Dropbox, Google Drive, whatever online storage services have totally changed the equation for for me for that kind of stuff. Yeah, this is just what I'm calling kind of 
proximity backup type stuff, like something that I don't want to have to put on a Dropbox and sync everywhere, Mm -hmm. but I I do want to save it in case I need it. Like I have a Windows um, distribution set up with it, which I have a license for sitting on there in case I ever need to set it up. I've got, um, I guess, just all sorts of things that I might need at hand, but don't want to take up space in Dropbox or you know, have it sync to other devices because we've yeah. been dealing a lot with, with that a lot. And that's another show. We've been dealing a lot with cloud service backup, file sharing, et cetera, for the last. Uh, yeah. 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 That'll, that'll be fun. <clears throat> so <laughs> any, anything else about your, uh, your, your setup you want to, want to share? Um, no, I'm pretty I happy with so. my, Like I really considered those new 5k iMacs. But I, the option to just unplug a Thunderbolt cable and walk away with my complete like setup and package on my MacBook Pro, work anywhere, and it's exactly the way I want it. All the preferences are right. The apps are installed the way I want. The libraries are all there. That is super compelling. Yep. And it just, you know, for the, the advantage that I would get out of the iMac, like we were talking about, power. This is plenty powerful for what I need. It still spins up the fans, but it's not horrible. I right. just can't see myself giving up a a portable laptop for a stationary desktop ever again. No, I, you know, I think I could sense the... Um, the pain of the nerds as they cried out in unison with the fact that the retina display was coming in an iMac, yeah, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they just bought the Mac Pro and and they were expecting this laptop, this this d- display to come out and just drive off of this colossal computer. And they're yeah. like, what do I do? The, cr- the cries were because you can't really use the 5K as an external display. So mm-hmm. you really are anchored to your desk at that point if that's exactly. your primary machine. Because the right. CPU, it's basically your your monitor is tied directly to your CPU, and there's nothing you can do to get around that. Um, so you're stuck at your desk. That's And, well, and if that's I your think, setup anyways, that's that's maybe okay for some people. Exactly. Like if you had a Mac Pro, you were tied to your desk anyway. You know, so it, it, those folks were kind of resigned, quote unquote, to, to sitting at their desk and using this thing. So I guess it's not the, you know, the worst thing, but for me, I don't know, it'd be nice to have the monitor be separate, but as we've looked at, you know, all the hardware, um, constraints, you'd need to have two lightning cables driving. It, it has to have its own CPU. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that how, crazy. how crazy my world is. I considered that what I would do would be use an external Thunderbolt drive with an SSD in it as my boot drive. And that gives you the option to boot your environment from any machine. And it would be your environment, your apps, your configurations, your preferences, everything set all off of one SSD drive. Whoa. It's, and this and, stays attached to the monitor via Thunderbolt. Well, it stays attached to your iMac. It's you boot oh, okay. target disk mode and that's your iMac. And then you power down, disconnect, connect it to your MacBook Pro or whatever and use that as target disk mode there and all your stuff's there again. Uh, that seemed a little too far for me. Yeah, I actually had, um, I was setting up 
a photo environment, which, boy, that's another show, um, trying to wrangle all those gigs of space and all that stuff. And so I had an external drive that was plugged into my MacBook Pro that I used whenever I was doing photo editing. But it's, it was never as easy as I'd hoped because sometimes the disc would unmount. Sometimes I would you know, bring it back from sleep and the disc would be you know, offline. And it would say you disconnected you know, incorrectly and now your database may be corrupt. You have to reboot. It just was never quite as seamless as I'd hoped it would be because my thought was I, tr- I plugged it into the monitor at first. And that caused issues. And then I plugged it into the laptop, and that caused issues. So I've never, some of that stuff is not quite as seamless as I would I haven't had a problem with target disk mode on an SSD. Like for me, the the switch to SSD made a big difference because, you know, usually an external drive that's a spinning drive is pretty slow. And, you know, that's, that's pretty painful. The issue that kind of convinced me that was insanity was that usually the OS is configured in a way for that specific model of machine and having this idea of like a a bootable drive that can go between multiple different machines and you're all set is probably a fantasy. Meaning you would you would probably boot the iMac and things wouldn't work quite right, you know. And then you'd boot the Retina MacBook Pro and things wouldn't be quite right there either. And then you usually have to reboot them to get everything back to normal. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was never quite as the, the promise was never quite realized. But that's what I'm hoping for eventually is this idea of like a fast, compact disc that just attaches and that has that that is you, right? Mm-hmm. And that you take that you with you to each machine, and that machine becomes your machine at that point. Yeah, that would be really nice. And I kind of have that with this laptop. You know, I just kind of run around with it, and it is my kind of whole. Well, yeah, but the, you're not really taking it to a new machine. You're just taking your it machine is the with machine. you. Yeah, <laughs> it is the machine. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because with the, my son building his own computer, I remember the days when. I would build a computer. I'm sure you did the same thing where, you know, you had to have uh, files installed on the hard drive and it would, you would tell it which drive to boot from. Um, the CMOSs now allow you to bo- boot from USB drives. They allow you to boot from CDs. They allow you to boot, like a lot of stuff from back when I was building Windows machines uh, would have been like a pipe dream. Yeah. But you know, he just put he put an OS, a distribution of Linux, on a USB drive, made it bootable, told the OS to boot from the USB, it installed it, and it was like because he doesn't have a DVD player, so his his installation medium is his USB drive, which I am just my mind is boggled that that's possible, which is Kid, great. Kids. Kids they don't these know days. how good they have it. So <laughs> so I want to close out with uh, revisiting the beers. Oh yeah. I anecdotally I, f- I finished the glass of breakfast out and the dragon's milk was still here which is surprises me because I thought I much preferred dragon's milk but um I think it was the high alcohol of the dragon's milk that was a deterrent. Yeah, it's it's it scared me. I'm actually drinking the bur- the breakfast out um more Sipping it more frequently, too. I mean, I barely sipped too much of it while we were talking. because so the, the breakfast out, as it warms up, a lot more pepper and chilies come out. Yeah, let me try that. It still smells so good. Man. Yeah. 
There's there's a really pronounced for me anyways. It's really pronounced like cayenne chili, not not hot like spicy hot, yeah. but like it tastes like chilies. It's got a little bit of heat to it, which is yeah. probably the roasted grain and the alcohol Slightly mix. Smokiness to it a mm-hmm. little bit on the back end. Uh, that's a really good beer. I'm gonna try this dragon's milk again because my impression is that it's just so much overall sweeter. Man, the nose on the dragon's milk is like ra- liquid raisins. Almost. That's not bad. Yeah, sweeter. It 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 has some complexity there, but it's it tastes not quite as rich as the breakfast stout as it got warmer. The flavor profile in the breakfast stout, I think, is more complex. It's got a lot more stuff going on. Sweet, peppery, like spicy, um, plus malty and smoky. Yeah. The dragon's milk is sweet and vanilla and yeah. like yeah, rum, the vanilla is really raisin kind of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, so uh, kind of a, I don't know, It's I, I wouldn't enjoy the dragon's milk with food, I would say. Mm. Like, I don't think I would go for it with a steak. I'm reading the back of the bottle and it says, pairings, red meat, smoked foods, balsamic, rich cheese, and dark chocolate. Yeah, maybe, maybe with cheese would be okay but i mean what doesn't go good with cheese if you're if you're not lactose intolerant um (laughs) now i'm really hungry for cheese thanks but the breakfast stout i would say would go great with barbecue or tons of stuff because it doesn't it's not too sweet to me the thought would be to go to so the ideal situation would be to go to the pub down the street order a breakfast stout they have two fireplaces going you know, you're sitting in this place that looks like something out of, you know, Hobbiton or something. And then you get like, I don't know, like a rich, like a plowman's lunch or something that has like cheese and slices of meat and whatever yep. in front of the fire. It would be awesome. This, like this a would be actually thing. be good with uh, breakfast, like a, a nice hearty breakfast. I would yeah. say this would, the breakfast out would go like great a brunch. with that. Whereas yeah. the dragon's milk, definitely not. I wouldn't enjoy that at all. Like a steak and eggs type situation. Yeah. yeah. I'm so good hungry. stuff. Yeah. So glad that like all these styles are, are getting this like creativity behind them. And that we can get them. I mean, where the availability is really pretty amazing. I remember when Breakfast Out was really hard to get. And it was one of these things that like, oh, I heard they got it down the street and we need to run over there and pick it up. and Kind of like the Backwoods Bastard. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now it's pretty common, at least in my neck of the woods pretty cool no for me i think i just lucked into a four pack and uh and i grabbed it and it was it's it's been a re- <laughs> it's been a real nice eye opener literally an eye opener because it wakes me up <laughs> um and uh it it lasted a long time because i again it has, it has this weird thing where it has the caffeine and it has the alcohol, so I, I need to drink it earlier in the day because caffeine will keep me up way later. Like usually, if I drink caffeine after two, I can't sleep. So at night when I go to bed, not in the middle of the day. Um, so I have to drink it early, and the opportunities for drinking early are very, very few and far between. Yep. Podcasting well, being one of them. The life of a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you got to do what you got to do, Gabe. Yeah, you know? that's and right. And I got to do this. If you want to record, we need to drink two stouts in the middle of a Saturday. What are you going to do? That's right. I, that was my explanation to my wife. 
You just like it can't be avoided. Smarter so, than you look. This, this was good, man. Um, yeah, looking forward to the the next round. Uh, I am going to go um, consolidate uh, three terabytes of files on my NAS wow. drive now. That so sounds fun. I'm going to go rake some leaves. Oh, yeah. I guess I need to do that too. <laughs> Which do you think my wife would want me to do? What would my wife say, Jeff? I don't think she'll uh, attach much value to consolidating gigs of data. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I, that's just I, a guess. I completely missed the mark on our wedding vows because <laughs> I should have included terms for managing my NAS. Well, good luck with that. All right. I'll talk to All you right, later. Talk man. to you later. See ya. repeated what my high school name was (laughs) i uh so here's a quick uh non-sequitur story semi-related is that i had a friend who works in it he was a system administrator and he's kind of a a a ball buster um and so um he had i guess he'd been making this person's life difficult for whatever reason or another and they started having issues logging into his name was roger uh and so they had issues logging into their account one day, and he's like, I really need to get in. I got to get this work done. And Roger's on the phone. He's like, okay, what's your password? And it's like quiet on the other end of the line. He's like, like the guy's like, why do you need the password? He's like, I need to get in. I'm going to try and log in as you, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, it's um, R-O-G-E-R underscore S-U-C-K-S. So... <laughs> <laughs> a little embarrassing for everybody, but uh, it's a it's a good thing to keep in mind. You may have to read. I'm, that I'm stuff glad my company someday. has a policy that uh, no one will ever ask you for your password. Oof, thank goodness. Uh, so every system is designed <laughs> so that they would never have a reason to need someone's password. Um, but it's something to keep keep in mind. Also, I will add, you can uh, do clever little things with shared vaults, like give them a little icon. So I don't, did you ever notice that I that I set our vaults icon to be our little company logo? I did not notice that. What? That's man, you're fired. Yeah, I, noticed, I noticed you can change the color. No, of, you can actually set a little icon if you look closely. That's our little company logo. I'm gonna have to log in and do it, but I don't want to type it because it, I have a really loud clacky keyboard. Oh yeah, nerd. Um, <laughs> so, um, how's your beer, by the way? It is still terrific, and I would say it's it's pretty close to room temperature now, uh, but great. Like that's the one thing I like about saisons. I do not think you need to drink a saison cold. It no, tastes I think it's great it's, at room temperature. It cools you off when it's a hot day and it's cold, but man, it tastes good, even warm. It actually has a richer flavor now that it's warmed up. I'm I'm really happy yep. with this stuff. I'm gonna be getting more of it. Excellent. By little way, sweet, it, little earthy, little yeasty, and uh it, quite a it, bit it of lemon. Comes, I think it only comes in bombers, right? So yeah. seven fifty mil. So keep that in mind when you're looking for it. It's gonna be in the big bottle section. Yeah. All right oh, man. man. Fun. Good working with you man. Yeah you too for sure. <laughs> Talk to you later. Nice collaboration. See yeah. ya. Bye. Bye.